Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. You are seeing a 52-year-old male in your office for an acute gout attack. He reports his past 30th wedding anniversary led to some dietary indiscretion. On the TV, he's heard about some newer medications to treat gout and was wondering if he should be taking any of these and your advice on what he should be doing to prevent another attack. As this is the second time he has had a flare this year and he can't seem to control things without your dietary recommendations. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Robert Baldor, professor and chair of the Department of Family Medicine at Bay State UMass. He is the editor of Baldor's 5-Minute Board Review and assistant editor for the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Frank. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you again. Yes, it's great to, to, to be together. So gout continues to be a problem. I just did a televisit this week with someone with an acute gout flare. Can you remind us, before we get into managing your patient's questions, how we uh, go about diagnosing gout? Yes, uh, that's a good question. And I really rely upon the uh, uh, ACR, the American College of Rheumatology. They have the ones that have published the diagnostic criteria for gout. And first and foremost, we're talking about a uh, illness that is uh, related to uric acid buildup. And so uric acid builds up in the bloodstream and it can crystallize into joints or in tophus, which are little uh, collections under the, uh, under the skin. So the, so the diagnosis then is if you actually detect uric acid in joint fluid or in a tophus, that's your diagnosis. Now oftentimes we don't have that when we're seeing somebody. So they do have uh, uh, clinical and uh, other findings that would go along with this. And according to the uh, ACR, American College of Rheumatology, presence of six or more of the following are, go along with a diagnosis of gout. So first and foremost, it's an asymmetrical swelling within a joint on a radiograph. Two, attack of a monoarticular arthritis. So again, we're talking about one joint that's flaring here. It's not bilateral by, um, by any means. If you have uh, developed maximum inflammation within one day, you have joint redness, you have pain or redness in the first metatarsal phalangeal joint, right, the great toe, or radiologic findings, which would be um, subcortical cysts without erosions on x-ray. You would actually have hyperuricemia on, on lab, or you've had an acute attack of uh, joint inflammation and you've cultured it and it's been uh, negative for, uh, for, for culture. So they're saying if you, if you have the, this constellation of symptoms, six of these will confirm your diagnosis of gout in the absence of actually having uric acid crystals uh, from a joint aspiration. I'm glad you pointed out that diagnostic criteria because as a general rule, when someone has a gout attack, drawing off fluid and sending it off for crystal analysis seems uh, torturous, so I, I try not to. All right, well, I, thanks for that reminder on how to diagnose gout, uh, and you mentioned great toe being the most common place. We called that podagra, uh, but it can affect the knees and other joints as well. How should we look towards uh, treating acute gout attacks in 2020? 
Yes. Well, what, the reason I wanted to discuss this was because the, uh, the ACR, the American College of Rheumatology, just updated their guidelines on, uh, on treatment for, uh, for gout. And let me talk about how they did the guidelines because it's always important, I think, to recognize how some of these specialty societies go about with their recommendations. And I was impressed, Frank. They actually, um, in, in the, the article, they lay this out very well. They use a grading um, recommendation system. For, uh, called grade grading and recommendation assessment development evaluation methodology in order to rate the evidence. They actually use a panel, which was a core team expert panel and voting panel. So it included a rheumatologist, of course, but also a general internist, a nephrologist, a physician assistant, and patient representatives. So it's really pretty uh, nice that they had that kind of a panel uh, together. As they were looking at this, they came up with sort of saying, what are the outcomes that we're really going to care about? And they were looking at, I'm going to say, you know, patient-oriented outcomes. So gout flare and ceric acid concentration uh, were, were two of these. And the specific concentration related to pain. Critical for the uh, questions to be uh, asked in the gout uh, flare. And uh, gout flare was specified is the only critical outcome for management and lifestyle uh, factors. So they performed a systematic review looking specifically for gout treatment and, and for those outcomes. And then they rated their recommendations as strong or conditional. A strong recommendation reflected decisions supporting by a moderate or high certainty of evidence where the benefits clearly outweigh or consistently outweigh the risk. And um, where, for the most part, an informed patient would be expected to reach the same decision about, about taking something. Conditional was a little bit more, well, you know, benefits and risks maybe need to be more closely uh, balanced and only a low certainty of evidence. So I really liked what they, uh, what, what, what they did with this. So, so part of this is they looked at their recommendations. It was pretty rigorous uh, studies. And they said, okay, we're either going to strongly recommend or conditionally recommend uh, therapies. So what did they come up with? Well, they strongly recommend using coltracine, NSAIDs or glucocorticoids for first-line therapy for gout flares. They made no distinction in which therapy. Rather, they said the choice should be driven by patient factors, such as comorbidities, access, and access includes cost, by the way, and past experience. Uh, they did note that if you did choose coltracine as a first-line agent to follow the FDA regulations, and so the coltracine, this is always uh, how you, you know, thinking about this, it's, uh, they come as a 0.6 milligram tablet. You take two immediately, and then uh, an hour later you take another, another tablet. And then you start anti-inflammatory treatment at the same time. So I think that sounds great. Yeah, and also there was a conditional recommendation. That was a strong recommendation. I like that because basically, you know, it gives you a wide choice of agents you can use. It um, the, um By the way, there was a conditional recommendation, ice packs. Ice packs <laughs> is a conditional recommendation. So not strong evidence for using ice packs, uh, but uh, so that was, yeah. It's too bad that wasn't probably studied better. Okay, so that, that gives us a, a variety of options, a wide range of anti-inflammatory therapies to use. How do, we, how do we go about addressing the patient's questions and, and how do we decide on, on what to use? Yeah, so I, mean, I certainly, uh, you know, uh, think that this, you know, you know, if patients can't tolerate, um, you know, coltracine or, or NSAIDs, you know, you can use uh, uh, glucocorticoids. And by the way, that recommendation for glucocorticoids is uh, you can take that orally. Uh, IM or, or intraarticular, uh, all the literature supports all of those uh, different uh, variables uh, to be used. Now, so what happens is you're, you're treating somebody. Let's. Uh, I'm just going to use the word anti-inflammatory. You're treating them with an anti-inflammatory, 
right? We have a wide choice of anti-inflammatories that you can use. And you want to continue this until symptoms resolve. So the question comes up, uh, and by the way, they, they, for people who have frequent attacks, they, they say, you know what, they should have this at their house so they can start on it right away rather than waiting to call in and get a prescription because uh, that's part of it. You can abort the attack early on. You'll have a better uh, lifestyle as, uh, as, uh, as, as part of that. So acute treatment continues until your symptoms resolve. And then the question comes up, should you do prophylactic therapy uh, or not? And their recommendation, they have a strong recommendation against anti-inflammatory treatment for three to six months, three to six months, and starting uric acid-lowering therapy during the acute phase. So the agent of choice is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor, and it's allopurinol, starting allopurinol. So that's, uh, and, and who would you start allopurinol on? Those people who have had a subcutaneous uh, tofu, any radiographic evidence of joint damage attributable to the gout, or if you're experiencing one or two uh, gout attacks in a year, as, as our patient uh, has noted here. So this would be somebody that we would say, you have had two or more attacks a year, we should put you on um, something to start your treatment. And we're going to use allopurinol. Um, you would start with low-dose allopurinol, that being about 100 milligrams a day, and you, and you slowly titrate it, uh, titrate it up. And do you use yeah. some sort of uric acid goal as, as a way to decide what the appropriate dose of allopurinol is? Yes, and our goal is six milligrams per deciliter. So you want to start somebody on this probably, I don't know, three or four months later, uh, recheck the level. They're not clear as to how often you should check the level, but recheck the level, and your goal is to get down uh, below six milligrams uh, per, uh, per uh, deciliter as, a, as a, a serum uric acid. By the way, they do comment a little bit about concerns around uh, renal function and allopurinol. So if you have somebody with chronic kidney disease, uh, stage three or greater, lower dose, about 50 milligrams uh, to start. Or there's another uh, xanthine oxidase inhibitor, which is, uh, I can never say this name, but febexostat, and uh, potentially that could be used instead of the allopurinol. But the allopurinol was recommended as being fine. They did have a conditional recommendation, if you're concerned about uh, um, renal function also, to use probenicid. And uh, that would be, probenicid, by the way, is not a xanthine oxidase inhibitor. Probenicid works in the kidney to prevent reabsorption of the uric acid as it's being excreted by the renal tubules. And you start that at a low dose also, about 500 milligrams a day, and then titrate it upwards. And like everything we do, Bob, the key uh, is prevention rather than treatment. Um, what kind of lifestyle advice are we going to give this patient? To, what, what can he do to maybe change his, his activities to prevent a future attack? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, lifestyle, I'm, I'm, I'm big in, in, in thinking about what can we do that's not pharmacological-based uh, as much as possible. And they made recommendations in this regard, uh, too. Interestingly enough, their recommendations were conditional, not strong, um, but they make sense. The first is limiting alcohol, uh, you know, one or two drinks max uh, per day. Recommending a low purine diet. For years, I've handed people a low purine diet sheet uh, when they have uh, uh, gout. And part of the problem why this is conditional is patients seem to have trouble adhering to a low purine diet. Another one, I wasn't aware of this, but limiting high fructose corn syrup, such as uh, avoiding another reason for <laughs> avoiding these substances. Weight loss for those that are overweight. And uh, finally, the thing I found, and I've been doing this also, is if you have somebody who's hypertension and they're on hy hydrocortothiazide, uh, consider switching them to a different agent, and their recommended agent is Losartan. So if you have somebody with hypertension who has gout, start Losartan. If you have hypertension, you're on hydrocortothiazide, and they develop a gout attack, uh, consider switching them to, to, to Losartan. I got very helpful recommendations there. 
I think this is uh, wonderful news, uh, very easy to apply, and, and I appreciate uh, your bringing it up for discussion today, Bob. Thanks so much. Thank you, Frank. It was a good article to see. Practice pointer. In gout, lowering uric acid with allopurinol is strongly recommended for patients with two or more uh, episodes of gout attacks per year, subcutaneous tophi, or any radiologic damage to a joint. The target is a uric acid level of less than 6 milligrams per deciliter. Join us next time when we discuss how to help our patients who've plateaued with weight loss by using a weighted vest. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast, and see you next week.